You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Hey, we have a story. I'm going to have to share a story. You guys want to hear a story? I do. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way Matt said that. No, I a, today's story. episode is on fake enthusiasm. And I just <laughs> demonstrated it right there. I want There's to hear, a corporate buzzword for that. I, I want to hear a story. Yeah. So, okay, here's the story. So we are working, we, we do a lot in healthcare space. So we get to work with lots of different hospitals and healthcare clinics. And if you don't work in the hospital space, you can imagine how important all the paperwork stuff is that happens behind the scenes. And of course, it's not really, a lot of it's not paper anymore. It's computers, it's charting, it's coding, it's all those different things. Well, the reason that they have to do all that charting and coding and things like that is because the healthcare providers have this really funny idea that they want to get paid for the service that they provide. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And so when they get paid for their stuff and they get to pay their people like salaries and things like that, and it's really actually critical to their practices to keep that paperwork and all of that stuff flowing. Well, we've worked with a practice where they were struggling in that a lot. And there was a significant amount of money that was getting held back because these procedures were not being followed in terms of collecting insurance, filling out charts on time, those types of areas. And so there were a lot of mistakes or a lot of paperwork that was turned in late. And so they were losing a ton of money on all of this. So we started getting into that a little bit. And we started saying, okay, what have we done to change that already? And one of the managers there says, oh, I'm already, I was already on top of it but I don't know what else to do. And what she did was she updated the procedures that they're supposed to follow for both the providers and also for the front desk. And then she went out to the location and said, hey, I'm gonna train you all on what it is you need to know. I just need to give you more information. I'm just gonna teach you what you need to do differently. And so they taught, here's the new procedure. Here's all the new things that you need to be to, to do to be able to make this process better. And she went back and she thought, oh, all of this will change. And none of it changed. Nobody did anything differently. They didn't implement the training. They all heard it. They all nodded politely during the training. The providers, doctors, everybody, yes, I hear what you're saying. And then nobody changed anything. So that's impacting the practice, impacting this network a lot. So how do they go to improve that? So that's going to be our topic today. We're going to dive into that. Have you ever gone to your employees and said, I just need you to know this thing. I'm going to train you to do something. Or we were talking earlier, like even in terms of health, like, do you know what things you need to do to be more healthy? Then why aren't you doing those? So we're going to talk about how do people change? How do we, how, why does training fail sometimes? And then also how can we get buy-in from people? So we're excited about this topic. You've got our whole team with us here today. We've got Diana here joining us from Tacoma, Washington. Diana, are you excited about this topic? I never have good questions when I ask this. I always just say, are you excited about this topic? Yeah, no, I, I like this topic. I will add that like, I know my doctor has said cut back on caffeine for me. And I am currently drinking my coffee. So 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just pointing out tiny little, tiny little flaw there, you know? Seems like a failure in your doctor. So if your doctor's listening right now. I don't think he listens, but I'll tell him to and be like, listen, man, you told me to do this. I clearly didn't do it. Go listen to this podcast. That's, that's probably a thing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> doctor. Be a better doctor, doctor. Doctor. Yeah, be more better. efficient. Yeah. We've also got Bethany. Bethany, have you ever been trained to do something that you just didn't do? Put you uh, on the spot. Probably. Yeah. I would, I would say that's probably true. <laughs> Not in this job. It was another job. It was another yeah, I don't think I do everything I'm supposed to here for sure. <laughs> but I think that's because we have very topic. few rules here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, but I'm excited about this topic though, because I think that it, I, I don't think that we're saying, by the way, that you should never educate people on stuff or you should never share data on stuff. Because I was going to say, I think that that can be really, I think that's an important piece of it. I just, I think we're just saying like, I don't think that's the only piece of it. I do find some data really, really interesting. And I think that, you know, not to negate all of our educators out there, but that's like, that's one piece of their job that's really important, but then they have to figure out like the next piece. My husband's a teacher, so he can't, he can't just share information and then walk out of the classroom at the end of the day. He has to be able to figure out how do we, how does he engage the class in front of him to help them understand the concepts and buy into it a little bit more. And so I think it's just, I think it's a part of the process, but not the only part. Yeah, the education side is really interesting because you take something like basic, like there's lots of studies that show that Americans, for example, have are pretty deficient in math, but we spend 13 years covering it, 13 years of math classes that people will take to get to the level of not very good at it. And I think a lot of that is how math might be taught. Like, I think there's some of that. I've got to sit down with my kids and go through their math stuff and I'm pretty good at math and I'll read their math stuff. And I'm like, I don't, this is crazy. I don't know I, how this is. I had to go back to like third grade math workbooks to take my MBA and like get accepted to the MBA. I had to take like the GMAT or whatever it is to get into that. And I had to go back to third grade math. And I still, every once in a while, tell Don, like, gonna need you to break it down for me even smaller, man. I'm sorry. I don't get it. <laughs> but it's, but I'm not dumb. Like, I get it eventually, but you have to break it down pretty small. And I think it's because I had teachers that didn't solidify some of those concepts for me. Yeah. So maybe we're going to jump into that a little bit differently about why do those concepts sometimes stick or not stick, right? Like, why do we, when do we learn better and not learn better? So we'll get to jump into that part of that. We got Stephanie from our team here. And Stephanie, have you ever done anything wrong? <laughs> Never. I am perfect. Good I am question. initial. I do everything right. I have no flaws. That's why, that's why we have you on here is to tell us your secrets. So we're really <laughs> glad that you're here. Yeah. No, I mean, in all seriousness, absolutely. Like I have been, there's oh. times people will teach you something or you do something and then just like, it, it doesn't 
stick for whatever reason, or like, I mean, every example we've used so far, I can relate to of like your doctor or your math teacher or something like that. Or, you know, it's not like we've just lived through several tumultuous years in the world where there were people on television giving us data and science and numbers and everybody just got it. Right. And it changed everyone's behavior. The more that they talked at us on TV. Right. So. Yeah. I love it. We were just talking this morning about some training that we did recently with a client that we're kind of having to go backwards on a little bit and say like, let's, we're trying to show you why we're doing these things and all these things that are important. So yeah. So just to put, give a little bit of context here before I turn it over to Matt, our f- fearless facilitator, our fearless and fickle facilitator. I was trying to be alliterative there. Uh, we do training a lot. Like we do training for a living as a company. But there's good ways to do that training that makes it stick and apply for people. And there's ways that make it not apply. And that's what we're going to get to jump into today. So Matt Griswold, ladies and gentlemen, let's give him a big round of applause. Matt, you want to take us into this topic? Are you excited about this one? You ready to lead have us? We worked on, uh, have we worked on the sound effects yet? Diana, where are we on that? I, I'm, we have asked for over a year for sound effects for good ideas and, and now an applause track. It, it is, it's on my list. I have... I have actively yeah. listed it as something I'm going to do. You know, you may have seen People Centric has been in hiring mode if you follow us on social media. And that's one of the reasons why, because Diana needs to help us out with this track thing so we can make it more pleasurable of a podcast for you all to listen to, Bethany. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're hiring for. So if you specifically have the skill set of adding audio. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if you're a sound effects person, that's it. That's <laughs> I'm going to take things off. You're really going to love working here if you're a sound effects person. Yeah. (laughs) Man, many different directions we can go. Many different directions we can go. But I thought I might take a step back if we could for just just a minute. Because we said some things here as we were going around with the responses. I heard I was writing some little tidbits down. Don, one of the things you just mentioned really kind of touches on this idea of adult learning theory. You know, the understanding of how people want to consume the knowledge, Uh, not just because you have knowledge and that you need to share it with people. I know those types of people are out there. And some of you might be listening right now. I have tremendous amounts of knowledge that I need to pass on to people and not everybody cares, right? Uh, People have to kind of, kind of care. And part of adult learning theory, there's a saying in adult learning theory that says, if it fires, it wires. Meaning if I can help somebody lead them to the ultimate conclusion, then they're much more likely to own that just because you were able to pass off the information. Bethany, you mentioned your husband being a teacher, this, you know, he's a, not an adult teacher, right? Junior high, uh, if I'm right. Yeah. Okay. You're nodding. She's nodding for all the podcasters. Yes. That yes. Is true. yes that is correct, Matt. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Not an adult uh, learning learner there, but I think the principle still stands. You know, if your husband stands in front of the class and says, listen, take all of the notes as I embark my wisdom upon you. Um, I'm going to shower down the knowledge that I've taken years to be able, not everybody cares. And so we have to be able to engage them and, and ask them questions that lead them to the appropriate responses. This is a big part of what we do when we're doing leadership development you know, for, for an organization. Also, another big question that I have for an organization, as they're asking us to do the leadership development, I would have uh, you know, similar response or similar questions might be asked for coaching at the same time. But uh, is this something that they are hungry for? Is this something that they're asking for? 
Is this something that they also want to do? Because you can trot me out there in front of people and I'm pretty engaging, but if they do not care to be there, it might just fall on deaf ears. And then you're going, I don't understand what happened. We provided them with all of the knowledge, all of the content. We hired these people to come train them and nothing happened. This similar to the you know story, Don, that you started with, with, gosh, it felt like we checked all the boxes. I did all the things. I did nothing but set them up for success and it still failed. How come? Yeah, it reminds me of one of my very first jobs. I was a freshman in college and took a job uh, with a company and they had me doing these reports for them. And they took me out to this county building and I was supposed to do this, what they call a chain of title search for properties. And the person who was initially training me on that on my very first day was said, okay, what you do is you walk over here and you open this book and then you look for this name and then you find this name and then you look for the next name and you write down this date and then you look for this part and then you go down to here and you do this. And she was sharing me and she's like, do you have any questions so far? And I was thinking to myself, I don't have, I understand everything you said. I grabbed that book. I looked for this name because it's on this sheet of paper. But what I'm thinking about is I don't know what we do. I don't know how this is going to be used. I don't know. Like I have zero context for it. All I know so far is there's a book. And for some reason I have to write a name down. And I still remember standing there. Like, I, I, I don't know what to ask you because you're telling me things I can understand. You know, it's like telling somebody, give, imagine giving somebody random instructions. Okay. Go to your desk, pick up this pen. Now put it back on your desk. Now stand up. Now sit back down. It's like, why am I doing these things? And I, I just, I remember Matt, you, you, as you were talking through there, I just remember getting that training and I remember initially struggling with that process and then having to ask a bunch of questions. And then I remember the person even training me kind of saying like, I showed you all of this. I showed you where to get the book. I showed you where to write the name down. I showed you all of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't even understand what we're doing. Why are we yeah, picking up the book? I think, I think culturally, organizationally, we've kind of turned a corner in that thinking, right? Because used to it have been like, well, didn't you go through the training? Didn't you sit through the training? How did you miss the things then? You sat through the training. That training is weeks long. We prepared We prepared a, a powerful agenda. We went through absolutely everything that you would need. How did you not get it? And I think we've turned a corner organizationally going, hmm, what's wrong with the training that they didn't get it? Whereas the question used to be, what's wrong with the person because they didn't get the training? And hopefully organizations are, are asking that question more and more. Like, is there something that we can do, we can tweak? I know right now currently, and this is something we normally do too, but currently we're working with an organization to help them build a more robust onboarding program, orientation program. How do we set people up for success right off the bat? And yeah, there is kind of a science to that. There is a, there is a behind the scenes working knowledge. There is a There is a book response. This is what the book tells you but this is the real world experience that you might experience, right? Here's the book response, but I'll tell you what, uh, young Don Harkey, when you're in the field, this is what you might see. This is how we can you know, potentially respond to those things. So let me ask one other follow-up follow question too. So for the example that you started with and I, all of you listening, I want you to maybe put yourself in this situation. The person that did all the homework, Don and Bethany or whoever else wants to answer this, the person that did all the all the homework, they installed the new system to be, okay, I see the problem. I see the gap. Let me, let me chart this all out. They did it. There was no change. Now they go back to that maybe executive meeting or leadership meeting. And from their perspective, why was there no change? They're probably frustrated. They're probably going to say something like, well, they didn't listen to me, <laughs> right? right? That yeah. They didn't listen to me or somebody's got to hold them accountable to getting this stuff right, because now they know what to do. I've already showed them all the things they need to do. Somebody's got to hold them accountable to doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't. And I think that, well, and maybe I'm answering, I was going to jump to your, probably your second question. So no, go ahead. Go ahead. Take, lead us. 
Well, what I was going to say is, but I think what they're not asking and from the other person's perspective that there's that they were presenting information to or saying, here's the new process. That person doesn't know why, to Don's point earlier, they don't know why they're why they have to do it. Like, what is the impact on them personally and organizationally? They might just think, well, they're just trying to control, you know, what we're doing, or they're just, you know, what they're asking is unrealistic, or it's really not that big of a deal. But what they maybe didn't explain was, okay, but here's how it impacts you personally and helping them understand that too. Again, finding a way to do that. That's not just like, shoving more data in their face, but helping them understand like, why does this, why should this matter to you individually? And to, and to, as Don was explaining before, part of it is it comes down to their money too. And just like their health as an organization and how much, how much pay they get to take home at the end of the day too. And I think sometimes maybe that wasn't well communicated there. And then just understanding that like, by doing this really small thing, it can make a really big impact for you um, and how much money you can make and how much, how healthy those organizations be um, and all of that. So what they lacked was just creating the buy-in um, and the participation of the other person. Yeah. And, and I think you, you voiced that well, right? The reason why I was asking those questions or that question that you kind of led us to the other, the other part is because I think, I think that ultimately there's probably people listening right now. You might be listening right now and going, man, that's the, that is the step that I am at right now. I'm at the frustration point. I think leadership interprets that not listening as frustration. They're burned out. They don't care. They're stressed out. They're clearly looking for another job. They're not as invested in this job as I as I am. How come you can't be like these other people that are also working here? I think that's how leadership interprets maybe that message falling on deaf ears first. But then Bethany kind of took us to that next step there of being able to help relate. Uh, how, how do I help relate that to a person? So let me let me ask this question here too. What what does it take from an individual's perspective? Like what brings an individual to the point of wanting to now learn? Because they have to kind of want to. We did a podcast, man, it's been a year ago, but you got to kind of want to. What brings that individual to the point to where they kind of want to, Diana? I don't know if this totally fits in with what you're talking about, but I think I think that companies are very bad about the timing that they give somebody something, the timing they give information, right? Matt, you're you're very good to tell me, like, this isn't relevant to me right now. Can you teach it to me later, right? Because you're not going to use that thing that I've just spent months creating or just spent weeks working on or whatever. It's very relevant to me because I spent a bunch of time doing it. But then to give you that information and say, this is how we're going to do it now. You're like, I'm not going to do this thing for another six months or like it's, I don't, no one's asking for that or whatever. So it doesn't, the information isn't super relevant to you right now. So you, you don't care. That sounded bad. You do care, but like, it's just not, it's not relevant now. So I think the timing is really tricky for a yeah. lot of companies and people. I in my previous life, I was a corporate trainer for a large bank, and we would go through weeks and weeks of content. And I, everybody started looking at me almost, almost a little like side-eyed going, wait, how come it's taking weeks and weeks for everybody else to do this? But Matt is going through this in like half of the time. And the reason why I was going through it in half of the time is because I learned that the participants are not, there is only so much book stuff that you can go through before they have to also apply. 
I can go through the weeks and weeks of content from the book stuff, but then the moment that they, you know, start to enact the thing that you train them for, their hands are immediately going to go up. And it's going to go up because they're going to go, okay. So I know we talked about this three weeks ago, and but now I'm doing it. Like, walk me through it now. And so I cut the book stuff down by 50%. And then I got them to the do part much more quickly because I knew the hand was going to go up, whether it took six weeks to train it or three weeks to train it. But now they're, now I'm an active participant. Now I'm an active listener. Now it's relevant in my life. Please help me walk through this uh, because the relevancy, I didn't mean to step on your toes, but that's totally, totally me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true for a lot of people. I was going to say, I'd, it's it's especially true for you, but I think it is true for most people, right? Like I'll, I'm very good at absorbing the information, following a process, going back and looking at the process or whatever, but I am going to have those questions when I go to do something and I'm going to need someone who knows it really well to sit right next to me and show me how to do it until I get it. And it's like part of my process forever then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I like that point. I was thinking too about, I think another part of it is, is just asking the other person questions about like, what are the barriers? And so whenever you're delivering a new process, that's okay. You can deliver a process, but also like talk to the person about what, what's keeping you from being able to do this thing or like what, what you just might be able to understand a little bit of what they're running into, because I think sometimes they're like, how the heck, you know, I don't have time to do that today. I'm, yeah, you know, I've got this, this, and this, and this, how am I going to remember to take that extra step or, you know, whatever it is, but I think it's just opening them, you know, opening up to questions to understand what is their day-to-day look like too. And then trying to understand that as you are building a new process or trying to create change or whatever, so that they feel heard and understood within that change that you're trying to create too. Um, And so building on that and saying, oh, okay. And then you can be able to ask some other specific questions that help say, maybe, maybe I was thinking about it um, in a different way, or maybe I was thinking about it in an unrealistic way. And we need to, to think about how this process could work with what your day really looks like, or what the process is right now, or, you know, whatever, and just understanding those barriers. I like that a lot of like Bethany, what you and Diana both shared, maybe think of the term like open-minded moment, you know, that marketers will use a lot of like, when's the right moment to pitch or, you know, I did nonprofit fundraising for a long time of like, when's the right moment to like present, you know, what we're doing. And the ideal moment is like, if there is this open-minded moment where people are actually open to hearing what you're talking about, you know, because we've all had that happen too, of like, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody's trying to hand you a pamphlet or, or there's something. And you're like, that is not an open-minded moment for me. Like I'm walking somewhere. I'm trying to get this done. I don't want this interruption. And I think Bethany, you just put it in such a good context of like, sometimes we don't really maybe even take into consideration what's happening around this process or around the thing I'm trying to teach. And maybe I just do need to take a minute. And before I launch into what I want to say and what I want to teach you of like, what's going on in, in your work life right now? Like what's on your plate today and understanding like, is this even an open-minded moment to be bringing some of this up? Or are there other things that we need to think about or focus on or talk about with this person on my team before I just launch into my spiel? Because if their minds are closed essentially in that moment, 
you know, to kind of use the other end of that, because they're so focused on other stuff, then they're just not going to really retain what you're telling them, or you're just meeting them at absolutely the wrong time to have that conversation. I like that. And if we went back to like the, okay, your doctor tells you here, you need to work out and you need to eat right. And you need to do X, Y, Z and make sure you take all your vitamins and all of this stuff. And you know that this is happening, but like, what if your doctor came to you and said, Hey, tell me about like, what is your schedule? Like, like, what is your, what is your world look like right now? And if I were to say, well, actually I have two kids. I work full time. We do all these activities. I don't know when I'm going to work out (laughs) because I need to sleep too, you know, and we had that conversation instead. And then he could ask me or she could ask me questions about like, okay, so like, let's talk about some follow-up questions to talk about like, how do you actually make this work? Then I could say, then we could just conceptualize it a little bit more. And I think that, you know, that's sort of an external example that we were using, but, but I think that's so applicable in the workplace too. And you can understand and see with that more tangibly how that makes a difference and how that conversation is had versus like, do this, this, and this verse. And then, or asking the questions of like, is this the right time? Like considering what's going on in other people's environments and then being able to make better suggestions based on that or working out a plan based on that. I do love that. I also am a big stickler about like words. Words all have different meanings to different people. And so you mentioned the healthcare thing. And I was thinking about how when doctors say, oh, just eat a low sodium diet. What is that? What does low sodium mean? Like I don't add salt afterward. Like what does low sodium even mean? So I've seen leaders say like, well, you just input it into the system input what into what system? Like you're just using gibberish at some point, you know, like because you understand it, you think that others should understand it, but the, the words all mean something different to someone else. If I said input it into the system, what my definition of input is, is different than your definition of input. And then what system we're using could mean something could mean QuickBooks to an accountant. It could mean teams to me, like the system means something. Those words all mean something. Yeah. And I think what's funny of what we see happen sometimes in those moments and the person who's trying to share the information, you know, they say input it into the system and then everybody gives them like kind of blank stares and they just kind of keep just repeating that same language. Well, just input it into the system or like fold in the cheese. Fold in the cheese. I yeah. knew it. Has anybody seen Schitt's Creek? Yes. Yeah. Like there's this scene where yeah. they're teaching people how to cook. And the angry or the instructions say, fold in the cheese. And she's like, fold in the cheese. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And she's like, it means fold it in. It just it's, fold it in. David, it I can't do fold everything. In the fold cheese, in the cheese, David. Fold in the cheese. Yeah, but I think like, you know, and that's such a hilarious moment in the show. But like we, that happens in the workplace too, where someone's like, just put it, just do it. Just file the file do the thing, write the whatever, input it into the system and realizing like just telling people the same thing over and over again, doesn't always help them, you know? And so sometimes we need to think about like, again, the language that we're using in the moment that we're sharing it of like, okay, am I actually meeting anyone where, where they are? Or am I just kind of, kind of living in my own space of like, well, this makes sense to me. And I don't get why it doesn't make sense to you. 
Yeah, quit fighting me on this and just fold in the cheese for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, there's lots of real life application that we can that we could take from that. Maybe even if you were looking for a a better tip or maybe a more applicable tip, it seems like we are yes, we want to involve them in the learning. No, I don't want to just impart my knowledge on them. Maybe you have a great idea, but if you're trying to create buy-in or hopefully help connect the dots for them uh, themselves, maybe even take a step back and the new process that needs to be developed. This is something that we're big proponents of. Uh, the new process that needs to be developed involve them in helping create the process. Because if they start on that step with you before you just, hey, I figured it out. I have all the knowledge. Let me just give it to you. Yes, we need to involve them in the learning at that point. But what if I was able to say, hey, we have a situation we need to fix. What are, what are some ideas that you have? Like, I think you would be valuable a valuable voice to come around the table to help us figure out a better process for what we're currently doing now. This is one of those truth bombs that a lot of managers or upper-level managers don't like to hear, but chances are those frontline workers have a better idea of how to do the job that you are asking them to do on a daily basis than you do. You're so far removed from it, and you should probably just get out of the way and let them do it or ask them for input on how to make their jobs a little bit more efficient or better uh, by helping them, having them help create a process that works better for them in that role. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about that quite a bit. Yeah, I think a, a funny example of this happening recently um, is, you know, sitting in a meeting and people were talking about reaching a really specific demographic group. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to have all these ideas and how we're going to reach this group. And they started thinking about, well, what does this group want? You know, they're, they're piling all through it. And without even realizing it, they had someone sitting at the table on their team who represented that exact group that they were wanting to reach with this marketing. And nobody took a minute. We're like, well, why don't we just ask her? And so, you know, after a little bit, you know, me as our people-centric team sitting there, I was like, hey, listen, I think there's some good ideas here, but like, it seems like maybe we have someone here who could answer like how that demographic maybe would enjoy learning this or want to hear this information or how, how they intake this type of marketing content. Like, what do you, what do you think? So, and so, and so even like kind of checking yourself in that moment of like, am I going too far down the path? and not even bringing the people along with me. Like maybe there's someone on my team who actually would have great input or maybe even has the answer. And I'm just like speeding past them for the sake of like knocking this out and getting it done or, or being in, cho in charge, quote unquote, and being the leader in this. Your voice tone when you said that. Wow. The leader. The uh, leader. Yeah. <laughs> Are you though? Are you really leading? I don't know. I, you, you know, which way are you leading? That may be a better question. All right, let's let's do this. Is there another angle that you want to tackle this one before I say, let's just help people kind of get started with this, whether they're stuck in how do I help people learn? Um, how do I bring people people to the table? Or as a manager, what is something that I can do maybe to, to take the first steps towards creating buy-in of the thing that yes, uh, maybe you're going, I, I don't need them to help me create it. Like I've crunched all the numbers. This is something we have to do. I just need to figure out how to, to try to get them at the table to where they're receptive to hearing it. Like, uh, where do we want to start with that? Let's maybe give some tips on that as we move to wrap up. I think I would start with the why, you know, going back to the Simon Sinek book, right? You have to start with why are we learning this thing or why is this thing important? You know, going back to the example that we shared at the beginning, I think everybody knows, you can't just go, you know, everybody understands paperwork's important, so obviously. So let's talk about why this paperwork's so important, especially when you do so much of it. But if we laid out for that, and this is what we're, where we're headed with that group, is we're laying out, look, this is how much money is being held back 
right now and creating some really good visibility of that and some scorecards for that so people can see what the heck is happening. Then suddenly, and then why do we care about it? What does this do to threaten that practice? What does this do to impact everybody else? Then suddenly everybody's like, wow, we got to get better at that. And now I want to know why, I want to know how I can get better. And if they want to know how, that's the first step in helping to make sure that training, that that piece is effective. They've got, they've got to want to, and the way to want to is to show them why and how it impacts them. And then, and, or better yet, help them discover it. Yeah, I think on top of that, it goes back to some of the things we were talking about of just not assuming that people understand that X plus X equals Y or whatever. You know what I mean? That like that that they fully understand what the current process is. And so like in, in that same example of like, do people understand why they have to put this information in? Or is this just they were trained that like this is part of your this is just part of your job and we're just collecting this information just to collect it so we have record of it? That it's like, no, it actually means like we have to collect this information and put it in this way and make sure we have all of this, all of these details because it it affects our, you know, this kind of outcome. Here's what actually happens with that information. And I think that we, you can't assume that everybody knows the full picture whenever you go into these conversations. So be willing to, like we were talking about, change your change your language a little bit, use different words, like explain a different or ask questions to help see like where they're at. Don't necessarily go in and start talking down to people and, and saying like, well, you know, like, like you're talking to a kindergartner to explain, you know, how, you know, well, I don't, I don't have a good example, but it's just like talking to a child, but just going in with an open mind to say, let me like, let's ask some questions to see, like, what do you actually understand about this process? How were you trained on it? And let me, let me kind of connect some of the dots for you too, to, to get to that why that you're talking about, Don. Yeah, no, I like that you're kind of saying they have to be part of that discussion. You can't just sit there and tell them why it's important. You have to, you have to, if you can lead a discussion with the group of talking about, okay, I, I can remember one, I've shared this story before where we had a retail location that was trying to collect email addresses and they, the, they kept training their people to collect email addresses, collect email addresses, and nobody was doing it. They just weren't doing it. So we led a conversation with them one morning and we talked about, let's look at sales and what's happening with sales and what do we do if we sell more? What do we do if we sell less? What does that look like for us? And it kind of got to the point where they were like, wow, if we don't sell more stuff, we're really going to struggle. Like we're going to have to lay off people. Like we might lose our jobs if we don't sell more. Like this is really serious. And so they started talking about ways to sell more. And then somebody said, well, boy, we should, we, we should gain control of these sales after they leave our location. Maybe we should collect email addresses. And suddenly it was their idea. And now they really owned that why. So then it was almost asking permission saying, okay, well, then can we start to talk about maybe we should pivot this conversation. Let's talk about ways we could collect email addresses more effectively and make that part of that. People own what they help create, right? So it's not just them, you telling them they're a why. That's still training them. It's more of like showing them and saying, hey, here's some things that are out there. What do you all think? And then almost asking for permission to give the training in a weird way. I know some of you are like, really? I'm going to go train people. I'm going to ask them for permission. But I think it's a piece that we do pretty well when we go, even we do leadership workshops, management training, those types of things. It's just say, you know, a lot of times we'll open it up. I just did one last week and I opened it up by saying, tell me about some of the struggles that we're having. You know, what are some of the things that you see on a day-to-day -day basis? I'll bet somebody one day you were just doing your regular job and somebody came and pined you on the head and said, now you're a manager. 
And then, uh, but you never got any training or to support on that. Would that be beneficial to you? Would you like that right now? Let's do that. You know, is there a risk that they could all say, no, thanks, Don, we're good. We're all fine. Yeah, there's a risk of that, but at least they'll tell you that, not just feel that through the training. Good. Uh, Diana, Stephanie, any tidbits here or tips that you would give uh, to be able to bring somebody to the table? While you're thinking about that, let me jump in and let me share. Let me share one here too. Uh, don't be afraid of wrong answers. If I'm a manager or a leader, don't be afraid of wrong answers. Don't go into it. And I know we're saying go in with an open mind. What I mean by that is one of my favorite things to be able to say, especially when I'm doing that leadership development or we're helping to install some sort of a process improvement and we're building that process and somebody might raise their hand and go, well, what if we did this? How about we do it this way? How about we do this? Instead of using your vast years of knowledge, you go, no, no, that's who else has an idea? Maybe something a little more smart, right? A little smarter. Uh, no, don't do that. I, one of my favorite things to be able to say is, well, um, let's follow that. Hang on a second. Let's follow that. Like, what if we did that? What do you think that might look like? You know, being a trainer is really being more of a facilitator. Um, I shouldn't have all the answers. Um, I should go into it kind of with a with a, a, a blank slate, so to speak. Um, if I could, man, the power of being able to say, well, let's follow that path for just a second. And what, you know, you might be sitting there going, well, that's kind of a waste of time. But we just spent five minutes following that path where we know it's going to be a dead end. Yeah, but everybody in the room is smarter now because we did it. Uh, even though it's a dead end. I love that, Matt. I think it goes back to kind of what Bethany said earlier, uh, that the idea, like, like, let's take it back to like the front desk idea, right? They're super busy. They're running through. If you have the conversation with them, you're acknowledging the barriers that they're stressing. In fact, they're acknowledging those and saying like, okay, well, we can't keep up. Maybe the question might come up, but we can't keep up with all the people at the front desk and asking questions and the phone's ringing. Like, how do we keep that up? As the trainer, it's tempting to say, especially if you've done it before, you're like, well, here's what you're going to do. And then lay all these different things out. It's tra- it's tempting to do that. But now you're taking the ownership away. Sometimes you just have to go to the group and say, that does sound challenging. How could we start to manage that? There's a, there's, there is a professor, and I was going to share this. Some of you have maybe seen her videos. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go watch her. She's a professor of physics and astronomy at Texas A&M University. You might not even know the title, but you might be familiar with the videos. Her name is Tatiana Irukimova. I'm probably butchering that, but she uh, is, um, is she, I, I don't care about physics or science. I know I'm speaking Don's language right now, but she is fantastic in these videos and the way she relates it, she is not reading a textbook. She is doing these experiments live and she goes and does it with elementary kids. She'll do it with her college classes. And she's, she, you know, she'll show, she, one of the examples, she had a, like a, a, a tire, like a, a 10 speed tire and she spun it, or I'm sorry, she just dropped it on the rope and it just dropped off. Well, then she spun it and created motion and then she let go of it, but it didn't drop. It stayed spinning. And the class is like, whoa. And she's going, why do you think that happened? What do you think is going to happen next? And she's relating it, all of these different experiments. She's not reading the textbook. And I think sometimes organizationally, we're reading the textbook. We are checking the checklist. We are passing off a to-do list or a checkmark box instead of going, man, if we did this, how do you think we would be better? Or if we did this, do you think we'd be better at all? Maybe, maybe we won't be. Uh, maybe ask a question of guys. I'm I'm tinkering around with doing this. Do you do you all think it's smart? I want your feedback before we get into that too. So anyway, that Texas A and M physics and astronomy. I I love teaching people that way. I think that's real practical. And you know, used to maybe I'll give you. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you, you know, 15, 20 years ago, maybe you didn't have to do that to keep people's attention. But more and more, it seems like we're in a video age right now. 
be creative with how you are also trying to train your people might be another piece of advice that I have. Any others? Anything else that we'd like to throw out there before we wrap up this topic? All right. I'm getting a lot of head head shakes. Uh, and my smartwatch says it is time to do torso twists because I've been sitting down for too long. So uh, I need, yeah, I need, I need to uh, get up and add them. Uh, yeah, wow. torso twists. Yeah, see, demanding. Okay. They're not it just says you've been stagnant for too long. Uh, all right, so maybe you have two. I'm going to let you go uh, now. If you'd like uh, to give us feedback on this topic, if you have additional questions, please share the uh, podcast with your friends. You can find out all of the relevant information on the outro. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until